Man, was that some great worship? Man. Wow. I, thought, I was thinking of that verse in the Bible where it talks about even the rocks will cry out. It's like the presence of God was just so strong in this place. I loved it. Well, there was a man who was very eager to meet his future son-in-law. You see, his doctor, or his doctor, his daughter had gotten engaged unexpectedly, and this weekend would be his first time meeting him. And he told all his friends at work that he had a whole list of questions to ask this young man. So on Saturday morning, he invited his soon-to-be son-in-law out for a cup of coffee. And as they began to talk, the father quickly found himself asking the questions that were weighing on his mind. He said, do you have a job? How do you plan to support yourself and my daughter? And the young man paused and he said, well, God will provide. The father then asked a second question. He said, where do you intend to live? Do you have a house or an apartment lined up for after the wedding? And the young man paused, and again, with much conviction, he said, God will provide. Well, the father waited a few moments before launching into his third question. But he said, son, do you have any money, any savings? And the young man looked him right in the eye, and he said, God will provide. Well, the following Monday, all the father's co-workers, they were curious to find out how it had gone with this meeting with his future son-in-law. And the father looked at him, and he smiled, and he said, I kind of like the kid. He thinks I'm God. (laughs) Well, good morning. If you would... Take out your Get Connected card that's in the bulletin. And just take a minute to fill this out. It doesn't matter if you've been coming here for years or if this is your first time visiting. It's just a way for us to get connected with you or stay connected with you. And if you go to the back, there's a place for prayer requests. Always know that these are confidential. So whatever you want, whatever you may need... Just fill that out, and toward the end of the service, when we, before announcements, there will be an offering bag. We just put these into there. So, Well, I want to share with you a story today that's ridiculous. And just in case you're old school, ridiculous means good. You see, ridiculous is one of those words that can have an opposite meaning. Like bad. Any of you remember when bad used to mean bad? And now bad means good. I'd have been so confused growing up. Mom would say, you're bad. And I'd be like, thanks. Sick is the same thing. When someone used to say you're sick, it's because you just puked on them. But now they say you're sick and we're like, I know, right? And ridiculous is the same way. Ridiculous used to mean outlandish in a a negative way, but now they say ridiculous when something is really, really good. And today I'm going to share with you a story of ridiculous faith. 
And this is a story from one of the great prophets of the Old Testament. And a prophet was a person that was chosen by God to speak on his behalf, to help guide people. And the prophet we're going to talk about today was named Elisha. Now, Elisha is not to be confused with a better known prophet of the Old Testament named Elijah. Because this could get confusing. Elijah was the one that was taken up in a windstorm to heaven amidst fiery horses and a chariot. If you've never read that, you should. Elijah was also the one that appeared with Moses on the mountaintop during the transfiguration of Jesus that's recorded in the New Testament. You should read it if you're unfamiliar with it because it's a sick story. So Elijah and Elisha are two different people. They're two different prophets, although their stories connect. You see, Elisha was the prophet God chose as the successor to Elijah. So Elisha was the disciple of Elijah. Elisha was mentored by Elijah. And Elisha wanted to be like Elijah. He was even ridiculous enough to ask for a double portion of Elijah's anointing. And God, in his sovereign will, he gave Elisha a double portion of this anointing. And Elisha went on to perform more recorded miracles in the Bible than anyone, with the exception of Jesus. And if you study the Old, this is cool, if you study the Old Testament stories of both prophets, you'll see that Elisha performed 28 miracles and Elijah performed 14. So, I mean, it was truly a double portion of anointing that he received from God. This was a guy that once parted the Jordan River. Another time he filled an entire valley with water to save three kings and, and their armies from dying of thirst. Amazing stuff. He once multiplied jars of oil so a poor widow could make money to save her sons from being sold into slavery for a debt that she owed. He multiplied bread to feed a hundred men one time. He once brought a dead boy back to life. Heck, Elisha was dead when he performed his last recorded miracle. There was a guy being buried, and a band of raiders were coming, so the family threw the dead body into the tomb of Elisha's. And when his body touched Elisha's bones, he came back to life. I mean, there is some great stuff in the Old Testament. But I think of all Elisha's miracles, I think the one that is my favorite and I'm going to read it to you because this one here is just, it is just near and dear to my heart. And it's recorded in 2 Kings chapter 2. It says, as he was walking along the road, some youths came out of the town and jeered at him. Go on up, you bald head, they said. Go on up, you bald head. He turned around, looked at them, and called down a curse on them in the name of the Lord. And then two bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the youths. This is in the Bible. I ain't making this up. Don't make fun of bald people. Or bald spots. 
You never know how much faith they have or how close a bear might be. But seriously, it's unfortunate that more people aren't familiar with Elisha or who he was or all the things that he did because he was a prophet in a crucial time period in history. You see, Israel was suffering from war and famine and it was on the verge of total collapse and God sent him to bring guidance, to bring comfort, to bring courage to all these people in distress. And he counseled everyone from kings down to widows and everyone in between and he did it all with equal grace. I'm telling you, Elisha is truly one of the greatest and most important people in all the Bible. All interesting stuff, yes. But what I want to talk about today is how it all began for Elisha. And you're going to see, before he was bold, before he was bald possibly, I don't know, but definitely before he was bold, before he was daring, before he was full of all this miraculous power and being used by God in such incredible ways, He was just an ordinary guy. And I want to show you that the choices he made are the same choices that we have the opportunity to make that lead to a life of ridiculous faith. So today's scripture I am going to teach on, it's found in... 1 Kings chapter 19, it's a short passage, it's verses 19 through 21. I'm just going to read it for you. And even the bold lettering on the top says, The Call of Elisha. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the twelfth pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come back with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. And then he set out to follow Elijah and became his attendant. So it sounds like a ridiculous story. But this is how it all began for Elisha. And in this scripture that I just read, there are two important decisions that were made that changed the course of his life. Two things that he did that just kick-started this life of ridiculous faith that led to the miracles that led to the prophecies, that led to Elisha being used by God in such powerful ways. And what we're going to do, we're going to break this scripture down. I'm going to unpack it a little bit for you this morning. And I'm going to pull these decisions out. I'm going to pull these choices out as we get to them. And we are going to learn by his example how we too can lead a life of ridiculous faith just like Elisha. So I'm jumping back to the beginning. So Elijah went from there, there being a mountaintop where God had whispered to him and told him that he had plans for this gentleman named Elisha. God told him to go find him. 
So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. So he found them. He was hard at work. Elisha's at work when he receives the call of God. He's plowing the field, which is a great reminder the call of God can come at any time. It can come at work, school, wherever, whenever. And something that I found very interesting as I studied this was how many great people in the Bible were called by God only after they had demonstrated an ability and a willingness to work. Think about it. Moses was a sheep herder. David was in the same profession. Peter was in the fishing industry. He was casting out nets. He was pulling them back in. It was a tough job. Paul was in the trade of making tents. Heck, Jesus was a carpenter. You see, there's much to be said about a person that works hard in life. Besides a paycheck, they gain faithfulness. They gain loyalty. And those are the key traits that God uses in people. Now hear me, because I am not knocking the person that's struggling to find a job. And I'm certainly not talking about someone who is not capable of working. I am simply pointing out and saying that God rarely used lazy people to do great things for him. So God called Elisha, this farmer, and the scripture says Elijah went up to him and he threw his cloak around him. His cloak is his covering. I want you to think of it as a cape. It was the mark of a prophet. It symbolized the call of God. And Elijah, he takes it off and he puts it over Elisha. Basically saying, as God has called me and has been working through me, now God is calling you, Elisha. And then the Bible says Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. So instantly he makes this decision that he's going to follow Elijah. And what's ridiculous here is he doesn't even know the details. He has no idea what he's getting into. He just knows that God is calling him to do something. And he immediately obeys. And that's the first choice I want to pull out of this scripture. To have ridiculous faith like Elisha, you must obey even when you don't understand. You obey even when you don't understand. Proverbs 3 verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. You see, when God calls us to do something, we don't have to understand all the details to obey immediately. I mean, you and I, we want details. We want it. But I think God's looking down and He's saying, you can't handle the details. If I showed you everything, you wouldn't show up. So I'm just going to show you the next step that I want you to take. See, that's why I think God is often 
strategically vague in his direction. He's often guiding us with just one word. But sometimes one word is all that God gives us, but that one word needs to be enough to go on. It happened all throughout the Bible. Moses, go. Abraham, go. When Jesus is walking on water, he looks at Peter and Jesus gives him one word. He says, come. And Peter steps out of the boat and he walks on the water. See, to have ridiculous faith, you don't have to understand fully to obey immediately. And I think this is happening to a lot of you right now. Maybe you're struggling in your marriage. For whatever reason, man, you aren't happy anymore. It's not what it once was. It's not everything that you thought it would be. It's not everything you thought it could be. And you're thinking about giving up. You're thinking about throwing in the towel. And God's giving you one word. Stay. He's saying stay. He's giving you the next step. And that one word needs to be enough to go on. Maybe some of you are in a relationship. And it's not a good relationship. It's not a healthy relationship. You're not being treated the way you deserve to be treated. Here's a newsflash. If someone doesn't respect and honor you while you're dating, they're not going to do it when you're married. And if your relationship with someone is hindering your relationship with God, that is not the person God is calling you to marry. That person is not a part of God's plan for your life, and you know it. And the one word you're hearing is get. Get. Some of you may have a health situation. And you're scared. And it doesn't look good. Or maybe it's for someone you love and God is giving you one word and He's saying trust. He's telling you to trust. And you need to take that one word and you need to hang on it. Because He's showing you the next step that you need to take. Obey even when you don't understand. I'm telling you like Moses and Abraham, and Peter. God wants to do something incredible with you. He has an amazing plan. He has an amazing path laid out. You don't know the details. But He's showing you the next step. Proverbs 16, verse 9 says, We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. See, Elisha doesn't know the details. He doesn't know what's in store for him. He just knows that God is calling him to do something. So his response is immediate. His only request, let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, and then I will come with you. Which sounds like a pretty reasonable request to me, but notice that Elijah, he's taken back a little by it. He says, go back. What have I done to you? So he's not wanting him to go back. He's like, you already said yes. 
you already agreed to this. Let's go. Because he knows that hesitation often turns into a change of heart. You got to think of it like an intervention. You got someone, they're struggling with drugs, they're struggling with alcohol, they have their plan, and then you put other people around them and convince them that there's a better plan. Well, the secret to a successful intervention is that that person goes to the treatment facility now. I mean, you already have their bags packed. you got everything ready for them to go. If they say, I will in the morning, or I will come Monday morning, they ain't going. Because they're going to start to think about it. They're going to begin to rationalize things. They start to second guess their decision. I mean, that's how it happens. There's something about obeying immediately or it doesn't get done. My daughter, Courtney, got married, married last September and the wedding actually took place at my wife and I's house with the ceremony being performed on the pool deck. It was amazing. I got to officiate the wedding and give my daughter away. So it was awesome. Well, I had just built the deck during the summer. And it took me all summer long, basically because this deck is huge. And I had never built a deck before. So the problem was, as the wedding neared, we hadn't stained the deck yet. Now, I didn't personally care, but my wife did. She always says the way something looks is a reflection back on you. Or her, really, is what she's saying. And she's serious about this. There's times I leave early for church to come to the first service, whether I'm playing or teaching, and uh, she meets me for the second service, and she'll see that my shirt's all wrinkled, and she'll be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you wore that. People's going to think I don't take care of you. So if you ever see me with wrinkly clothes, she's the one to blame for that. So anyway, we decided we needed to stain the deck, and we needed to do it quickly before the wedding. So for weeks, we would get off work and start staining. This deck was huge. It was growing as we were staining it. You can see, I mean, I've got like shade. It was hot. I don't quite move like I used to. I'm a little chubbier than I used to be. I've gained 15 pounds in the last two years ever since my accident. I accidentally ate everything in the house. But anyways, um, I'm working on this thing trying to get it done. So finally, we did, made a decision. We decided we needed to just concentrate on what people could see during the wedding. So the opposite sides of the deck and the opposite sides of the railing, we skipped. We said, we'll get back to it after the wedding. Well, that was last September. <laughs> Do you think it's done? This is a picture I took Yesterday morning, you can see everything on the left where people couldn't see. It's still not been stained. You see, there's something about hesitating, not doing something immediately, or it doesn't get done. And the thing is, stuff with God is the same way. I mean, how many times have you decided, man, I'm going to start reading the Bible regularly. It's going to be a part of my morning, every morning. I'm giving it to God. I'm going to start making prayer a priority in my life. And then weeks pass. 
months pass, you find you haven't done any of those things. You didn't do any of them. Instead of just doing it, you hesitated. And hesitation often becomes a change of mind. You see, Elijah is not wanting Elisha to go back to the house because he's worried. He's worried that he might change his mind. He's worried that he might get talked out of it. Or he may see what he's giving up instead of what he's gaining. And it may make him think twice about it. But you see, what Elijah didn't realize was that Elisha's request was not an act of hesitation. In fact, he is so set on being obedient that he does something extraordinary. And in verse 21, it says, So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. And I'm going to explain this here in a minute. But I want to say this is the second decision that I want to take out of this story. This is the next choice that I'm going to pull out. To have ridiculous faith like Elisha, you have to let go of your plan to make way for God's plan. Let go of your plan to make way for God's plan. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but sometimes our plan doesn't always line up with other people's plans. A lion woke up one morning feeling really rowdy and mean. And he went up and he cornered a small monkey and he roared, Who's the mightiest of all jungle animals? The trembling monkey answered, You are, mighty lion. Well, later the lion confronted an ox and fiercely bellowed, Who's the mightiest of all jungle animals? And the terrified ox stammered. He's like, Oh, great lion, you are the mightiest animal in the jungle. Well, on a roll now, the lion swaggered up to an elephant and he roared, Who is the mightiest of all jungle animals? And fast as lightning, the elephant snatched him up with his trunk and he slammed him against a tree half a dozen times, leaving the lion feeling as if he'd been run over by a safari wagon. The elephant then stomped on the lion until it looked like a corn tortilla. And then it ambled away. Well, the lion let out a moan of pain. He lifted his head weakly and he hollered at the elephant, Just because you don't know the answer... You don't have to get so upset about it. <laughs> you see, they weren't on the same wavelength here. But we have a tendency at times to be like that. We think it's all about me. Mighty me. My mighty plan. And then God swoops down and he says, Listen, mighty lion, I know your plans. But I have something different for you. I have different plans. I have something better for you. I have something bigger for you. But in order to do that, you have to let go of your plan of being the king of your jungle. You see, the people God uses the most are the ones that hold on to things the least. 
And to have ridiculous faith, you've got to be willing to let go of your plans. It's only then that we're able to grab a hold of God's plan. See, we're releasing what we have so we're able to pick up what God's got for us. And the truth is, it's tough. This is tough sometimes because we have some pretty good plans. Man, we have some pretty good plans. We have some big plans. And sometimes we've worked really hard to implement our plan. And then God comes along and tells us to change our plans. See, this is what happened with Elisha. Elisha had some pretty good plans. And those plans seemed to be working out pretty well in his life. Because the truth is, Elisha was rich. Scripture told us he's got at least 24 oxen. He's driving the last pair, which means he has servants, which are plowing with the other 11. The Bible tells us he lives in Abel Mihola, which was known as the breadbasket of Israel. This was a little fertile area right along the Jordan River. Man, this was the best land in all of Israel. This is like the guy living in the top neighborhood. This is like us living in Geist. So he lives in the best possible place. He's got land. He's got oxen. He's got servants. He's rich. Which now makes sense why Elijah didn't want him going back. He was a little worried about that. He was afraid he was going to go back and he was going to start looking around and thinking, I don't know. I got things pretty good here. But Elijah underestimated Elisha's faith. You see, Elisha was so set on being obedient, he not only let go of his plans, he completely got rid of his plans. He killed the oxen and he burnt his plow. These were the animals... This was the equipment that brought about his livelihood. This was how he implemented his plan. It's almost like he's saying, I'm burning plan B. There is no plan B for my life now. There's only plan A. Plan A is follow God. He got rid of his plans. He knew He knew that God was calling him to do something different. He knew that God was calling him to be something different. And he was making sure there is nothing that's going to stand in the way of doing it. I mean, it's no wonder that God did such amazing things with this man's life. This was a guy that was willing to do whatever it took to follow God. He had a good life, but God was calling him to something greater. And in order to achieve that, he had to show some faith. And in order for us to do what God's calling us to do, in order for us to be who God is calling us to be, we have to show some faith as well. God loves to see our faith. God loves it. 
I believe God's often saying, show me your faith and I'll show you my faithfulness. And I say this because over and over again, the Bible says when Jesus saw their faith. How do you see faith? Exactly. Faith in action. You see, God wants us to participate in His miracles. In the New Testament, there's a guy with a withered hand. And what does Jesus say to him? Stretch out your hand. In other words, I can heal you, but I want to see you believe it. I want you to participate in it. I want to see your faith. Another time there was a guy, his whole life, he couldn't walk. Jesus looks at him and says, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. He says, I'm going to heal you, but I'm not going to pick you up. I want to see you have the faith to believe that what I say is true. So get up. There was a guy who was blind from birth. And Jesus goes up and he picks up some dirt and he spits in it. And he rubs it in. And he makes mud and he puts it in the guy's eyes. So let's call it what it is. It's nasty, okay? But it worked. Jesus says, go wash your eyes in the pool of Siloam. In other words, he says, I'm going to do my part. I want to see you do yours. You show me your faith, and I'll show you my faithfulness. Friends, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And it takes faith to let go of our plans to make way for what God has in store for us. Man, you don't want to miss out on something. You don't want to miss out on something incredible Because you're holding on to something else too tightly. You're like a little child with a blankie. Makes you feel secure. Man, God's plan for your life is bigger than your plan. I guarantee it. We serve a God who can do exceedingly and abundantly more than anything we can ask. Anything we can think. We can even imagine. Jeremiah 29 verse 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Don't allow where you're at to block where you're headed. Let go of your plan and make way for God's plan. And don't wait for something to happen. Make something happen. Make it happen. Take a step of faith. You know, I know a lot of people that are like, man, I want my kids to serve Jesus and be strong Christians, and I want our family to serve Christ, but they never open up a Bible in their own home to share God's Word with their children, or they never pray With their children. They don't lead by example. 
you got to do something. you got to make something happen. You put your faith into action. I know a lot of single guys, and they're like, I want a wife. I want a wife. Please, God, send me a wife. And then they're just sitting on their butt at home, waiting for some smoking babe to knock on the door, carrying a Bible, saying, hey, you big stud, take me to church or lose me forever. Now, you, you get off the Xbox, you make yourself presentable, you be the kind of man that a God-honoring woman would want in her life. You be the kind of person that you want to find. You take action. And like Elisha, man, if there's anything in, that's in our lives that are keeping us from doing what God is calling us to do, we need to get rid of it. We need to have a little plow-burning faith in our lives as well. And that doesn't necessarily mean we all have to give up everything to follow God. It doesn't mean that we have to resign from our jobs or give all our money away. The whole thing is, with this story, the whole point of this is there should be no areas that are off-limit to God. You should trust God with everything in your life. You're not holding on to certain things. There's times we need to stand up and say, I'm not going to let something keep me from being the person that God is calling me to be, that God wants me to be. I'm not going to let something keep me from doing what God wants me to do. Sometimes we have to say no to our plans to say yes to God's plans. I'm telling you, God's plan is bigger. God's plan is better than money. God's plan is bigger and better than being popular and liked by everybody. God's plan is better than being accepted in society. Man, don't miss out on something that God's calling you to do in your life because of greed. Burn the plow. Don't miss on, out on something because of pride in your life. You burn that plow. If there's sin holding you back, burn the plow. If you're struggling with something, maybe the next step that God's calling you is to go to Celebrate Recovery. We have plow burning parties there. If there's doubt in your life, you burn the plow, you stop doubting all the time. God has given you everything you need to do everything He wants you to do. If there's fear, fear in your life, burn the plow. Don't stay in the boat if God's calling you to walk on the water. You're going to miss out on it. Well, our scripture ends with, then he set out to follow Elijah and became his attendant. After he'd done those two things, after he made those two decisions, after he made those choices. And you know what? You already know the rest of the story. I begin with that part. He went on to lead a life of ridiculous faith. 
And God may be calling you to something even greater for His kingdom. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. Bow our heads in prayer. Well, God, we thank You for Your Word that leads us, inspires us, and teaches us that Your way is far greater, far bigger than ours. God, help us to set aside anything that interferes with what You are doing or calling us to do. God, give us the strength to be bold. Give us the desire to be courageous. Cast out any ideas that the evil one plants in our heads when Satan says, we aren't good enough, we aren't strong enough. Empower us to stand up and say Jesus Christ is. And with Him all things are possible. We praise You, God, in Your Son's mighty name. Amen. So today, if you have decided to follow God's path and accepted Christ, we want to walk alongside you. Um, if you That back corner there, if you've accepted Christ today, please stop by there. Uh, we will pray with you. We will help you. Uh, we're just so excited for you to take that journey today. Uh, as Chuck mentioned earlier, we have our Connect card. Uh, so that is going to, we're going to have, put that in the offering bag in just a minute here. And um, we want you to fill that out. Whether you're brand new or you've been coming for a while, we definitely want to connect with you there. Prayer requests on the back. Uh, be sure to do that. There's also, you can um, download our app and fill that, there, uh, fill that out there as well. So that's just a nice way to stay connected and to uh, do that digitally. You can give through the app, all kinds of great things. That's really convenient. Um, so I'm going to have the greeters come forward. We're going to take an offering. Uh, we are a place that is about people, not about pressure. And we just want to give everyone an opportunity to come back to God and give back to God and uh, give to him and all that he's been generous to us and all that he's done for us. So let's pray. Dear Lord, we just thank you uh, for the opportunity to learn about how to uh, how to follow your path, how to take, re get rid of plan B and just go for your plan A, Lord. And we just hope that and pray that all of our hearts and minds would be changed and to grow for you and uh, that this offering would be multiplied in your kingdom, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so uh, if you are ready to take that step and follow Christ and you want to learn what that looks like through baptism, you can join us in our baptism class. We're going to have two baptism classes. We'd like you to attend both of those. That's going to be August 5th and then August 12th at the end of Second Celebration. So uh, that's going to be starting out really soon here. And uh, lunch child care will be provided. And we would like you to sign up either at the resource table or on that app that we talked about. Uh, just to get connected. So it's a great way to show your commitment to Christ as baptism. And you want to learn more about that, be sure to attend that class. Uh, so then also, uh, if you are going through a grief, a loss of a loved one, anything like that, we don't want you to walk through that alone. We have a support group here called Grief Share uh, that will be meeting on Monday and Tuesday starting August 6th and August 7th. Uh, Monday, it will be meeting at uh, 6 o'clock and then Tuesday at 2 o'clock. And so if you have any loss 
you know, like I said, there are so many ways for us to walk together here at the JAR, and uh, we don't want you to walk alone when you have a loss. So be sure to be connected. Join Grief Share. Uh, then also we have uh, burgers, bonfires, and Bibles. So that's for our impact group, and that is going to be tonight, and that's going to be at Dawn's house. And so that's just a great way to connect uh, with our uh, our younger kids, our middle school age, or impact high school age, impact, uh, you know who you are, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's a great way to get together, make some s'mores, read about the Bible, learn about the Bible, have a bonfire. So uh, kiddos that are coming to that, just make sure that you uh, take a chair and some bug spray. And I believe there's one more weekend of that after this week. So that's going to be great. So uh, if our prayer team could come forward, if you have any prayer needs or anything like that, we would love to meet that for you. So thanks. Can I get everybody to rise? Stand, please. A doctor calls up his patient, and he says, I have some good news, and I have some bad news for you. Which would you like first? And the patient says, well, I guess the good news. The doctor says, you have 24 hours to live. The patient says, 24 hours to live? Then what's the bad news? The doctor said, I tried to reach you yesterday. (laughs) Hey, don't miss out on the call of God. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) Obey even when you don't understand And let go of your plan to make way for God's plan. Know you're always loved in this place. Prayer team, as they said, will be up here. Table in the back if today's your day to give your life to Christ. And I hope it is, if you haven't. God bless you. Have an awesome week.